I am Liz James. I'm Ann Barker. And welcome to the Cracked Cup Podcast, where the cracks are how the light gets in, and the cracks are how the light gets out, and where, when we are tired in the fire, we sing. So why don't we start with, so a lot has happened since our last recording. <laughs> that is always true. I'm going to hold that audio and I'm going to put it on loop. That would okay. be the permanent introduction. So a lot has happened since our last recording. We could say that every month. We really could. But it is not every month that there has been an insurrection at the U.S. Capitol. <laughs> no, not, not since the Canadians came. Or a total shift in the government. Isn't that exciting? There, There is a decidedly different tone in my news these days. <laughs> the surface is that there is a lot of celebration going on right now. There is also yes. a lot of uh, knitting and crocheting of mitts that look like Bernie's, which is kind of ironic because his are felted from leftover sweaters. They're not actually knit or crocheted fresh, but everybody wants something that looks like that because they're all just so relieved. <laughs> Our DRE, Alara, who you know from previous episodes, Alara seems to always make it in. Alara has an image on their Facebook that has Bernie on each shoulder. <laughs> kind of like guardian <laughs> angels, you know? Aww. Is Bernie both the angel and the devil in this that situation? That was my first thought as well. I was like, okay, so does that mean you've got a good Bernie and a bad Bernie? Which is kind of like all of us. Did you see the meme about, I think it was California and some other place in the US, but it made me think of Canadians, about like the difference between nice and polite. And so in California, the response when you're on the side of the road trying to change a tire was, oh, sweetie, that looks really hard. Good luck with that. Looks very polite. <laughs> and then the, the one from some other place in the U.S. was, Jesus Christ, you're going to wreck that and mess up your car even further. Give me your goddamn jack and I'll fix this for you before blah, blah, blah. And I just thought that was really neat because it kind of showed the difference between politeness and kindness. It made me think of a number of people in my life who we think of as grumpy, difficult, unhelpful people who are very much the last person to say the right thing on Facebook, but the first person to show up at the truck. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And you should never look a gift truck in the mouth. <laughs> no, not a truck. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. You know, I really missed all the awesome... Um, Biden-Obama memes. I thought that that was a really fun thing when the two of them were in the White House together. And so the meme that just came out this week of, of Biden looking out the window and it says, I have mittens too. <laughs> I thought that was, it was such a change, right? It's such a breath of fresh, fresh air to, uh, to see something like that. Because you know, like that is the least of Joe Biden's worries right now. He's kind of got some really important and hard things on his plate. Mm. And um, I don't think he's concerned about the mittens thing. I think he's glad that people have got something that they can cut and paste and blah, blah, blah. And they can talk about while he gets to work fixing things. <laughs> Did I ever tell you about my dad and the celebrities and the queen thing? No. So I once said to my dad, well, why do we have a queen in Canada if you know, she doesn't actually rule anything here? And he said, um, 
But the reason we have royalty in modern day times is because human beings have the need to interact with very important people. So if they do something good, they want to get a medal from someone important. And all the important people are busy doing science and running the country and doing very important things. And they don't have time to give people medals. So we've created rock stars and queens and actors so that people can spy on and interact with people they see as important while leaving all the genuinely important people to do their very important work. (laughs) There you go. And it's interesting that you would share this story just as our governor general has resigned for creating a hostile workplace in the governor general's mansion. To be fair, I did not know that. (laughs) I know. I know that you are not a big news follower. So I thought that was pretty funny. So we can have the drama in, you know, our fancy offices this week. I'm also uh, not a meme follower. When you said the Obama and Biden and the mittens, all of those things, I did not know about any of this. The mitten thing I'd heard a little bit of because there was a moderation question about it in the hysterical society. But um, I don't see as many memes as people think. Dear listeners, Liz does not pay attention to the news. So don't be upset when Liz doesn't know what you're talking about. I read more news now, although I have stopped because I had developed this habit of listening to Stephen Colbert while I made breakfast and tidied up in the mornings Mm -hmm. because he's funny. Mm -hmm. But over time, it ruins you. (laughs) Like it gave me a vague sense of the news, but only like the worst parts in the the world is going to a handbasket kind of way. The relentlessness of bad news mm. is exhausting. And, you know, you can turn on a Colbert episode and and have a chuckle and be sad and angry and disappointed all at the same time, but you can have a chuckle and it's meaningful content. But if that's all you're listening to and you're hearing it day after day after day, then it's exhausting. And you might not even notice the place where you slip from listening to resignation or just believing or depression. And this is a time of year when that's characteristically really high. I have replaced Colbert with singing and it has helped a lot. Nice. Have you seen the second Lego movie? No. Do you know the song Everything is Awesome? I I haven't seen the first one either, but I do know the song Everything. So the second Lego movie's theme song is Everything's Not Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) It has lines like, we should shoot for not bad, (laughs) unrealistic expectations. It's so good. People, you've got to see this movie. That's funny. I feel like I've been singing that song all along. (laughs) (laughs) It's so good. So I've been putting on the Everything's Not Awesome song instead of Stephen Colbert. They have the same message, but a different feel. And can you made a big can you link to the everything's not awesome song? Yes, in the show notes and for the to people? the movie, uh, people, you've got to see it. It's so good. Okay. First one, also excellent. I can't believe you haven't seen it, Anne. You've yeah. read all those books on the MFC reading list, but not the Lego Movie, and it's just as important to your spiritual <laughs> development. Well, I am trying to overthrow white supremacy, Liz. I have things on my plate. The Lego movies will help. Okay, okay. You know that's that's a really important thing. Is that we need. We need serious stuff and we need fun stuff and we need nourishing stuff. We need all of the things, right? Yes. And if you are trying to overthrow white supremacy, if you allow yourself to sink deep into the misery of it so much that you are upset all the time, then your ability to overthrow white supremacy is dramatically decreased because everyone looks at you and thinks, ugh, I don't want to be like her, muttering about how awful things are in the corner. So you do need some balance. This is not to say that you should be sunshine and rainbows all the time, but Sometimes we're like, it's a betrayal of the people who are hurt to ever be happy 
And I don't mm. think that's true at all. Mm. Being happy builds community and it makes us more effective in the long run. Not saying you have to be happy all the time. Well, and, and the long run is that for all things social justice, we may never see the resolution in our lifetime. Yeah. So it's like that saying about how um, it's important to plant trees that you may never sit under for shade. Yeah. And that we have to find ways to remain hopeful. Um, so, yeah, today we really want to talk about. Wait, wait, stop. I want to go off in a different direction. Can we leave the show notes for a bit? Because yes, we can't get you through all of this it. in too. You got <laughs> mad at me last last time. Liz got mad at me for taking us off the rails. And now Liz is taking us off the rails. Humans who are listening. <laughs> yay, this is how life works. Okay, so I okay. have a I have a question for you that is along the lines of this topic that I have been wrestling with. Right. So I was thinking about a post about the whole I'm not going to listen to Stephen Colbert, I'm gonna sing songs uh, while I'm doing dishes in the morning. Because I know people should do them after supper, but that's not when I do the dishes. That's not the point. So um, I was listening to the music and it was lovely. And I wanted to do a post about when there were the fires around Fort McMurray, Mm -hmm. the South African firefighters came to Canada because we didn't have enough firefighters for the amount of fire. And the South African firefighters came and there were these shots of them spontaneously bursting into all this song in the airport in all different Mm -hmm. languages and this great medley. And they were incredible. And someone asked them about it, like, did you do this to become a meme? What's the thing? And the guy said, when we are tired in the fire, we sing, which I just mm. love the line, mm-hmm. when we are tired in the fire, we sing. Mm. And then I was going to write about that. And so I Googled them. And there's a whole thing about those firefighters struggling to be paid by the Canadian government. I don't know if it's resolved oh, or not. No. So I was going to write this beautiful, when we are tired in the fire, we sing thing, but this other part of me is like, well, yeah, but then this bad thing happened and they weren't paid. And it doesn't actually matter to when we are tired in the fire, we sing. That story is true. But there's this internalized imp. And I know <laughs> that if I didn't do it, someone else would in the comments. Yeah, but you can't use this story because they never got paid. And sometimes you do need to say, oh, yeah, but tied in with this is this other thing and to not acknowledge it, blah, blah, blah. But <sighs> sometimes it's not necessarily relevant and it almost becomes like a sport to do it. I don't mm-hmm. I don't know. Like what are your thoughts on why do I have the imp that says the bad thing? Can you give me some wisdom and solve this problem in my I life and on the internet? So many thoughts. <laughs> I thought you might. One, I see an instant parallel to the trend to sing sea shanties right now. <laughs> okay. There is a viral trend and I for a moment I was thinking is this just Canadian? But then I remember Colbert did a sea shanty the other day. <laughs> So this is a viral trend. I think it started on TikTok where um, people are singing sea shanties and making new words to sea shanties. And <gasps> sea shanties are also songs that you sing to keep working, right? They're what the sailors on the ship out in the sea, in the storms, working hard, you know, sing to keep going, just like the firefighters, mm-hmm. um, just like when... Um, People are working on a chain gang and they sing those songs that give them rhythm to keep them going, not because they are happy to be there working, but because they are in an exhausting, relentless situation and they need a rhythm to keep them going, right? So that cannot be lost just because the situation didn't turn out well yet or because the situation is hideous 
like a chain gang. You need to find things that get you through. I think it's a yes and. Mm -hmm. The firefighters are fabulous. The fact that they haven't been paid is not. What are we going to do next? See, this is the thing that gets me. First of all, side note, I'm going to research whether they have since been paid. And I will put notes, something in the show notes for if people want to take action. But the other part that I wanted to say is very often it's not connected to action. It's like it's a cultural construct where we are acknowledging the injustice and talking about the injustice, but in a way that it's almost like a social ritual more than a thing that we do so that we write the government so that the firefighters get paid. I don't know how how to engage with that. <laughs> so I have been reading Pema Chodron's book, When Things Fall Apart. Corrections Corner. This is Liz from the future here. At Anne's request to tell you she means Brene Brown. Pema Chodron is a Buddhist nun, an American Buddhist nun. Brene Brown, however, is a psychologist. She talks about meditation as a way that you... Um, it's a centering force, but it is not necessarily a thing that makes you happy. So people think if they can meditate and empty their mind, they'll be calm and peaceful. But actually, when you meditate, um, you become present and then you are aware of the bad feelings that are happening. And so <laughs> it can actually lift up the bad things that are happening. This is not how it was portrayed on Instagram. I know, right? Sorry, sorry, world. If I'm not mistaken, gosh, I hope I'm not misquoting this, but she... <laughs> Because <laughs> I read a lot. I could mix my <laughs> metaphors. We'll fix it in the show notes if I'm wrong. I will. Right into the firefighters. Here's why. But there wrong. are ways that we avoid doing the healing work that we need to do. And one of the ways that we distract ourselves is by catastrophizing everything. Mm. So we pre-decide why it will not work. Right. So I'm not going to post this post because it's going to bring me flack and it will not work. I'm not going to believe in this happy story because it's going to be, it's not going to have, a, it doesn't have a happy ending in the end and it will not work. And that that's, sometimes we numb ourselves so we don't have to feel, and that's a way of avoiding. Sometimes we compensate like with um, food or alcohol or busyness or things like that. But the third way we avoid doing what we need to do is to to go right away to why it will not work. And that is just a great way. It's a, it's a byproduct of perfectionism, actually, because we think we have to find the perfect way to do everything. I think it's connected also to not wanting to be flawed ourselves. I was visiting a group of friends in the United States who are like social justice, amazing people who have taught me all kinds of things about how to think about privilege and all these kinds of things. And I was visiting them on an election day and so I woke up in the morning, I'm like, well, where, where are we going? What are we doing? I mean, election day, I assume we're driving people around, blah, blah, blah. And there was sort of this awkward moment. <laughs> and then one of them said, well, we're not entirely confident in the voting system of blah, 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 and did an explanation of why the whole system is broken, et cetera, et cetera. Um, which was out of character for them, because these are people who have a sense of humility. So maybe the voting system is wrong, whatever, but we might be wrong about that. And this is a really important day. So let's spend it driving. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think what was the more true statement was they were too tired for, right. for doing all the election stuff today. And I, I've caught myself responding to something by saying, 
no, I can't help you immediately. I can't give you a fish because teaching you to fish is the ultimate solution. Except I'm not actually going to teach you to fish either because I don't really know how to fish for your setting. I was just thinking, I am a lousy fisher. No, what I mean by I don't want to give you a fish or a fishing rod is I'm just too tired. Like, Or I'm not even tired, but I have this joyful thing I was going to do today and I want to prioritize my own joy. And because right. it's too hard to say that, instead we say, the thing you're asking of me is the wrong solution. It won't make a difference. It's so hard, blah, 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 blah. Because that doesn't involve saying, no, I'm going to take care of myself, which is a really hard thing to right. say in the face of someone else's massive pain and great injustice. Right. So we, maybe we all know the story about geese and the V formation, but then if we all know it, then this is just a reinforcement. So yay, play along. <laughs> um, well, but so when Geese, what? Go ahead. It's just have an image of geese in the, in the formation with Bernie Sanders at the top. Oh, <laughs> this little mittens. Mittens. It's cold up here. Sorry, tell the story. <laughs> oh, somebody make a meme. Somebody make a meme. Because Bernie is carrying us while we're working. Okay, so the geese fly in a V formation and the lead geese is goose. <laughs> the lead goose, one at the front, is working the hardest. They are taking the full force of the, the wind against them. They are leading the flock. They're working the hardest. And as it goes backwards, there is a, an energetic uh, math and science that I cannot explain to you that means that the wave of the V is carrying the people at the back. They work less hard. So the aerodynamics, that's the word I was looking for. The aerodynamics <laughs> of the V means that they work less hard. But goose at the front never stays at the front. Goose at the front, when they are tired, falls back and lets the V carry them along as they recover or as they build some strength. And a new goose goes to the front. Happy aside, if a goose goes down, one or two other geese stay with them. Really? Yeah, they stay with them. Geese is also mate for life. And if they recover, then they catch up to the flock. And if they don't recover, then those geese later leave and catch up to the flock. But they never leave goose down alone. So geese help and the wave carries them. It's the same with the sea shanty or with the <laughs> firefighter song, right? It's the, they find a rhythm and a pattern that recognizes that sometimes you lead, sometimes you follow, sometimes you need to be carried because we are not always hopeful. We are not always happy. Sometimes we are hopeless and everything is awful. And then the other people need to be carrying the tune. I shouldn't tell this story. Um, oh, that's so I much count. better than the story I was going to tell. <laughs> for, for years and years, I thought I couldn't sing. I don't believe that anymore. So it's okay. You all don't need to help me. But <laughs> I... I thought I couldn't sing, but I love numbers. And so like if I'm walking up a hill and I'm not, I've never been super fit or super strong. And so if I'm trudging and it's really hard, I'll count my footsteps. I count my footsteps as a rhythm because I didn't have a song. Aww, you need a song. Now I am filled with little UU songs <laughs> when I'm really struggling. I sing, come, come, whoever you are, because I'm hoping somebody will come <laughs> along in a car and pick me up. But Fly at the front of my V formation, please. <laughs> exactly. We need a ghost song. I have so, to criticize your story. Oh, wait, do you want to do your no. moral of the story first? <laughs> nah, you got it. 
No, it was a really good story. It's more fun when you criticize. No, 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 no. It was all great. But I have to criticize this one thing. This is like the firefighter thing. Yes, yes. But at the beginning of your story, you said, I have never been very athletic or very strong. And I wanted Mm -hmm. to jump in and say, you're very strong. You just are carrying a lot of weight. Right. Right. So you don't climb easily to the top of the hill because... You've always been a bit heavier, and so you are carrying another human being's worth of weight on your back. Thank you for this instant corrections corner. <laughs> Do you need me so, to cut that? <laughs> it, no, that's funny. Um, it's true, too. So it is true. Uh, that was the wrong word. My legs are strong. I've never had a lot of stamina. So that's what I'm working on is those long haul skills. I want to tell you something about the singing when you're talking about having songs sure. for things. So mm-hmm. I was uh, listening to someone who was talking about the role of music and culture, how you can't disconnect a song from its context in many cultures. You know, that mm-hmm. this is the song in the fresh morning air and we all come out and we're going to do the thing and that you separate it from those sounds and those smells and right. all of that. It doesn't, it's not the same song anymore. And so I was, this was right before a trip to uh, Kenya with my friend Celeste, who's Masai, and they were singing some of these songs for us. And the Maasai are very protective of their culture. So I felt a little sad almost to watch these traditional songs being used in this way so that the tourists would pay them so that they could have school fees for their children. And I was feeling a little brokenhearted, like, have these songs been ripped away from some beautiful context? And I said to Celeste, what are the words? Like, what are these songs for? And Celeste goes, oh, these are the songs we sing for tourists. <laughs> These are the songs we sing <laughs> to make the money for the tourists. <laughs> and I thought, oh, wow, that's so awesome. <laughs> Everything is awesome. <laughs> so it saved me needing to explain to the Maasai about how they should preserve their culture because they were ahead of me on that. <laughs> because they totally needed you to tell them how to preserve their culture. After that, I'm going to teach them how to fish, Anne. <laughs> Oh, that's so sweet. I don't know how to fish. Do they live in a desert? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Good job, Liz. Also, I live Good in job. a desert. Diversifying their their industry. <laughs> I've never fished in my life. How you fish is you take your credit card and you go down to Superstore. You say, give me this fish. When we're off this call, I'll help you figure out where to get it better. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we should call this the Be a Goose episode. <laughs> oh, can I tell you one more goose story? Yes. <laughs> so John Green, who is amazing and is one of my mentors who also failed to be a minister and went into podcasting and assorted things. You mean made a better plan? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Made a way better plan. Um, tells a story from when he was a teenager your thing about the goose made me hate goose less, which is what made me think of this because he doesn't like goose either. Goose have tried to get me. Anyways, that's new. Geese have a bad attitude. They Well, when you like, go when it comes to people. their babies. <laughs> anyway, there was an incident. I shouldn't have been climbing that bridge. Don't try to pet the geese. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. So anyways, <laughs> he tells the story of being in love as a teenager and his girlfriend says, what is your greatest fear? And he said, being alone because I wanted her to say she would always be with me and I wanted her to say our love would be forever and all of these things are myths, but I wanted her to say them. And then to fill the awkward silence, I said, well, what is your greatest fear? And she said, geese. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay, so it's March. Uh-huh. When you're listening to this. Farch, we call it. 
Farch. Yeah, that's the worst time of year. Farch. Christmas is done. There's just cold ahead. Who is this we you speak of? Me and Marianne Parker. Okay. <laughs> Farch it is. <laughs> that, that actually feels satisfying to say that. Farch. Everybody we try that. Farch. Farch. We need a song for <laughs> Farch. Everything's not awesome. So for me, <laughs> for me, January is actually worse. January is when people stop shining their Christmas lights and their holiday lights and but you have the, the bills come in. But you have the myth of your resolutions. You haven't failed at your resolutions yet in January. January 18th is failing the <laughs> resolutions day. It is documented. Maybe for you. You need to make weaker so, resolutions is what you need to do. You need to make goals and not resolutions. No, themes. Like evolve, people. Themes. Okay. Themes. I'm done interrupting you. I promise. So January. No, you're not. <laughs> January is tough for me. Some people make it through January still riding on the happiness and joy, and February is hard. If you've made it through January and February, and now you are in farch, <laughs> then if you haven't felt the hard, you may be feeling the hard now. We want to acknowledge that all of us at some point in time feel the hard. Yeah. And... All of the things we would normally say to our friends, let's get together, let's have a gathering, let's go out for lunch. In many places, a lot of those things are not accessible right now. I keep thinking about all of the people who have been inside with their partner long enough that they have now realized that they need a divorce. Mm. Or people from abusive partnership, or people who have jobs that they have now realized they hate. Like, I feel like we're far enough right. in that a bunch of people are going, oh God, I need to make this big change. And yet, yeah. how do you make yeah. it right now? And yet, yeah. they really need to make the change. Or people with mental right. health problems who need, who maybe have been managing them okay for much of their life and now really need to go get help. Right. In, um, in September, there was a Canadian professor who wrote about the six-month wall in a disaster that... Um, she had done a lot of work in disaster zones, and there is this documented phenomenon of the six-month wall, where you at six months, you have had enough, right? You're doing good work, but you have had enough, and you just need to get away, get out of it for a minute, get it out of your head. So often, like the disaster workers would aim for at six months to get a week away, go somewhere and rest, and then they could come back renewed. Mm. There is a six-month wall. And it feels like everything's closing in on you and it's too much and you can't cope. You are likely to feel crappy and it will pass. And I can remember talking about it in a Sunday service and having uh, folks in the congregation afterwards say to me, oh, I'm so glad you said that because I felt like, you know, I've just hit this wall and I don't know what to do and I'm the only one and nobody's talking about it. And just this hopeful idea that it would pass and you would carry on. So I keep waiting for this wonderful professor to write me the <laughs> to write me the February wall or the March wall. Or also, March is when we've had winter for six months, which is six months into a natural disaster. I feel this way at the you end know, of winter. Technically starts. Yeah, I don't know who came up with that, but they don't have a window. Well, there's also this sneaky lying March thing. I don't know if it does this in Alberta, but in Saskatchewan, the first week of March is always really, really warm. We have a saying, March, in like a lamb, out like a lion. <laughs> and you go, oh, thank God, it's spring. But it's fake spring, right? And then the winter comes back and it's always minus 40 at the end of March. And every year at the beginning of March, I think to myself, oh, well, every other year of my entire 43 years, 
few years living in Saskatoon, it's been cold at the end of March, but this year will be different. This year it will stay spring and it never stays spring. It never stays spring. And I feel like there is a chance that some of the excitement around vaccines and government change and stuff is a little bit fake spring. But I don't want to say that because when it's warm in the beginning of March, go enjoy the warm, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just because it won't stay doesn't mean it's not awesome. It's beautiful. And you forget (laughs) for 15 seconds what minus 40 was like, which is the same way that people have a second baby because you forget for 15 seconds that having the first one hurt so much. (laughs) (laughs) So I need to... I need to vaguely diverge at this point back onto the show notes for a moment. I know we have a plan. We're not I personally plan. am on the show notes, but go ahead. You've been on the show notes the whole time. I know I've noticed you steadily trying to like move me back because the original show notes for the listener were about this farch phenomenon of things being really hard. And we were going to acknowledge that and talk about that and strategies. And so Anne's trying to do that. And I'm like, no, I'm in a good mood. It's fake spring. Go away with your hard. Okay. Just, just. I think we're actually right on them because it says in our show notes, Anne says, we want to offer some support, some ideas, some humor, and some stories to hang on to. And the next line says, Liz rebuts. (laughs) (laughs) I think we're doing spot on. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I don't know what my rebuttal was going to be. It says here, tell the people about all those times when your dad died. When Um, Anne's dad was dying, shopping for cheese. Our show notes are sometimes a bit cryptic. (laughs) We need to do the planning closer to the actual talking. I interrupted you. You were going to tell a story. Do you want to tell your story or do you want me to talk about shopping for cheese? Um, We can go back to the cheese. There is something that I do want to say about the when things get hard. I wanted to talk about a few years ago when I got really, really depressed. Um, And Anne was actually in town at the time. And took me to the ER and I was, I don't know if I would say suicidal, but having persistent thoughts of suicide. Mm -hmm. And it was really bad. And the thing that I want to say about this is if you are at a point where things are getting very bad, you think that all of the solutions won't work. And it's not because there aren't solutions. It's because your brain is broken. When you're cycling around in all these thoughts It is very hard to get out of that by yourself. Mm -hmm. And the thing that I want to say is if you are reaching that point right now, it is understandable and your job isn't to fix it. Your job is to go tell somebody who will help you figure out how to fix it. And we will have phone numbers in the show notes and we will do um, in the next couple of weeks a special episode where we will talk about that story in a little bit more depth for people who are in a really hard place, which isn't everybody who listens mm-hmm. to this humor podcast. Exactly. But I wanted to tell that story because you don't realize when your brain is broken, or in this case, actually responding in a fairly <laughs> rational way to the stimuli presented to it. And I am saying, don't try and fix it. Find someone and tell them. And all the problems that are in the way future you with a less broken brain will be a match for those problems. And the people you get to help you will be a match for those problems. You can't think your way out of this box if that's where you are. And I will be putting up a bonus episode speaking just to you where we will talk a little bit more about that. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I, I want to add just that 
um, not everybody thinks of having mental health issues as their brain is broken. Hmm. And if don't let that be a barrier to hearing the next part of what Liz just said. So um, we our brains are full of protective mechanisms, and sometimes they loop around to try to keep us safe. It it may not be actually broken. It might be in a loop trying to do because it doesn't <laughs> know what else is available to it. Right? It didn't take much to help Liz, except it took letting people in on it yeah, and getting some support. Well, and you think that you can't let these things fall. Like I remember feeling like, oh my gosh, if I let all this fall, it's going to be ruined. Everyone's going to think worse of me. And I needed you who had a clear brain to walk me through this is what the plan will be. And that plan involved being more honest about where I was at. Exactly. And a few years later, nobody cares, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, nobody cares. Nobody even remembers unless I mention it, in which case they say, oh, thanks for talking about that. Like, right. Your weaknesses matter so much less than you think they do. Exactly. And the other thing I want to say is I really am glad you said what you said about broken brains, because I think broken mm-hmm. is not a useful word. Um, sometimes your brain is just shaped differently and that's just the shape it is and usually if you build a life that is appropriate to the shape of your brain you're okay but that is so true there is in the case of my brain at that moment right but it wasn't broken in that it was maladaptive it was more broken like it was out of gas right like Mm -hmm. the engine needs more gas in order to function it was trying to give me a message that a change needed to happen and i wasn't able to make that change until the message got really really strong because really what you needed was the uh, the opportunity to stop, reevaluate, and make some hard decisions that you were really having a hard time making because there was guilt and shame and stuff all wrapped up. In I it. had to resign to, to some, from some committees and I was so like worried yeah, from a lot of committees. And I was so worried about like the world was going to fold if I wasn't on the such and such whom call it committee. And oh boy, did the world not really care. Like everyone said, oh, we're so glad you're taking care of yourself. We want you here in the long term. It's like when people are choking, often they don't get the Heimlich because they leave the table because it's embarrassing to be choking and they hide in the bathroom bathroom and that's where they die. Yeah. And you don't think, oh, wait, because your brain isn't really designed to be in these very life threatening situations. It's designed for the everyday and you don't switch gears in time. I'm making a hand motion by my head. (laughs) (laughs) And let's be realistic. A person who is in a massive life crisis is not helpful on a committee. Oh, my gosh. They were so relieved when I left. Because <laughs> I, I was just sitting there being a big, mean cloud of despair. Like, and when you're, when you're a big cloud of despair, back to the beginning, you catastrophize. Oh, you can see all yeah. the reasons why the solutions won't work. You can't easily be creative anymore. You can't turn things around. And, and I scared and everyone else off of the committee because nobody right. wanted to be there with my giant right. cloud of doom. Right. <laughs> and we don't have to be perfect to do work with other people or do work in our own lives. But when we were in a massive crisis, you need someone to help you. Side note, anyone in your life who says, I can't believe you went to help and you're inconveniencing me and blah, blah, blah. Let me give you a hard time. That is a message about the role that that person should have in right. your life. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah. 
same with the voices in your head that you're carrying from relationships in the past that say, you don't deserve this. You're not good enough. You're not worth it. You can't ever be fixed. You can't ever be well. You're no good. All of those things, they're stories. They are not the truth. They are not a useful committee member and they need a nap right? and the rest. Get the off that committee <laughs> not using a cliff. <laughs> okay, so speaking of cliff, I think this is where we have to segue off so you can get to your other meeting in time. Exactly. <laughs> You are not on call for the pain of the world. I know you feel every hit of the hammer beating plowshares into swords and people into plowshares. And every time you fail to step between the blow and its target, the injustice is sown into your bones too. And so, when the hammer rises, you must rise with it, raising your voice, your eyes, your awareness, your body, whatever part of you that can be given as an offering. You can't stay this way forever. Sewn to this cacophony of blows, every movement of yours a follow until your body is owned by the drumbeat of the raising of weapons, until your days string together in a stuttering heartbreak of rage and you can't catch breath. But this is what you promised. To those who don't get to choose whether or not to show up for the fight. To those whose very bodies thrust them into the ring, you promised that you would hold nothing back. I know. Except you can't be on call for the pain of the world. It's not work that can be done without sleep. When we said that people are too sacred to be beaten into plowshares or swords... We meant you. We need you for the fight. And we need you for all the things that are less and more than fighting. We need you to be ready to listen in the soft way earth listens to rain in the hours before dawn. To be tender. To cradle precious things. To hold the smell of dew in your hair. To hum a song that flowers will rise up through the earth to hear. I need you to stay in love with the world. You've been listening to the Cracked Cup Podcast. First things first, if you are struggling in the way we talked about, watch for the special episode, but don't wait for it. Talk to someone you love, and if you don't know the right person, I am putting numbers in the show notes for you. It is not going to be like this forever. Hang on and reach out. Other announcements, and there are many. I've decided to stop telling you dates for upcoming online services. I'm just going to put that all in the show notes. I am making an exception this month, though, to plug this Saturday, when I'm going to be speaking as the keynote speaker for the Going Viral conference, I'm talking about how the world is different now. Not so much pandemic stuff, but digital stuff and how to steer in the face of all those changes. It will still be humor, though. I mean, as much as this was. 
Link in the show notes, along with info on both Anne and I's upcoming services. Also, our Zoom call is this Saturday, February 6th at 5 p.m., and anyone who's a part of our Patreon community is welcome to join us. Patreon is an online platform that allows people to support creators directly. Most people pledge 3 or $5 each month, and that is a great alternative to ads. We do periodic gifts and thank yous and events for our supporters because they are what makes this podcast possible for everybody. If you've been on the fence about the Patreon or about rating this podcast or reviewing it or sharing it with a friend, I'd like to mention that the next couple of months are going to be very crucial in the life of the Cracked Cup. We have already grown to something that is sustainable at its current level because you wonderful people pay our hosting and subscription fees and because Anne and I love doing this and we're happy to do it for free. But I would like to increase to twice monthly at some point. To do that, we're going to need to hire more editing help, and realistically, that means we're going to need to impress the heck out of the grant panel. So any Patreon subscriptions, downloads, good reviews would be incredibly helpful in convincing the granting body that we are a force for good in the world. Please help us, because we would hate to have to resort to actually playing them an episode. And lastly, if you are looking for a text copy of the poem, you can find it on my website at lizjameswrites.com. All of our materials are licensed under the Truth Will Not Hold Still licensing, which we invented, and which means that not only are you free to use our stuff, you are free to modify our words to suit new contexts and understandings as language evolves over time. Music for the Cracked Cup podcast is done by Blue Dot Sessions, and production is done by the saintly and talented Adrian Muhajirin, and audio interference is managed by Simba the Cat. We are so grateful that you could join us.